alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you doing? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, whew, that uh, that brisk Minnesota humidity has swept in this week. <laughs> it's uh, very uncomfortable. I've been sweating up a goddamn storm. How how how's Arizona been? Uh, you know, just about couple degrees colder than the surface of the fucking sun lately but it's june so to be expected right yeah um so i suppose we should take a moment and talk about the the murder of george floyd and obviously what has transpired since then there have been uh protests happening all over the world where uh people are fighting for equal rights which they deserve there have been a lot of disturbing images on the news and on the internet lately of Basically, the militarization of police and tactics that police forces around the country are using, uh, basically just to disassemble the masses of people who are fighting for their own rights. Uh, we mentioned it on the show before, how in the past, uh, tactics taken by the police really went overboard with protesters, and we are really seeing this nowadays. Uh, definitely, things need to change Uh really training selection of candidates to become police officers, uh, just the whole gamut. Uh, and just wanted to say that really quick. Yeah. And maybe, uh, I think we're really realizing it wasn't probably the best idea to re- elect a reality TV show host <laughs> as the fucking president. Dude, that dude is, uh, we don't, we don't usually like to get political on, on the show, but, my God, that guy is <laughs> showing his true colors. Yeah, it is good to see a lot of backlash coming from state and local officials, uh, governors, mayors, chiefs of police, uh, trying to combat what he's putting forward through his tweets and through his words. Well, the the thing I, I was going to post it like I like I like to troll the uh, insane people who post ludicrous shit. Right. Well, they had. The picture of him holding that fucking holy Bible, right? Which was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Like, he literally tear-gassed people so he could take a photo op of him holding the fucking Bible, right? And Yeah. So, there's the big thing about when Obama was president, he, like, illuminated the 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 White House with the rainbow. Do you remember that? Yeah, for um, Pride Month. Yes, so somebody, an insane person, posted uh, the picture of the rainbowed White House with Barry Satira. Okay, he's our meme on the show. But then apparently Michelle Obama is not actually Michelle Obama. Have you heard this before? No, I haven't. Uh, I Apparently it's like Michael something another. I don't It was insane. I, I don't know. But my... My other favorite post was uh, someone claiming that Trump is actually saving us from all the, uh, how do they put it, Luciferians and Satanists in the world. Yeah, that sounds like a Reddit warrior. <laughs> looking to looking to troll the masses. No, I think that is a extremely religious person trying to, I don't, I feel like they don't understand that like modern day Satanists. I generally don't believe in anything. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, they're brought up from an early age with all these crazy ideas, and then these crazy ideas just kind of flow out of them. Right. Yeah, uh, basically what we're saying is there's there's no conspiracy surrounding the uh, the events that have transpired in America and around the world that uh, clearly there has to be change made and... Phil and I definitely support 
there being change made uh, with the police and with how we treat people. So another kind of disturbing thing that really I've noticed, uh, it seems to be really easy right now for governors and mayors to just enact curfews just on a whim, uh, much easier than it would have been, say, a year ago. A year ago, if you found out that you were under a curfew for an entire week, an eight o'clock curfew, you would be outraged. And now we're all just supposed to accept it. Like it's the new normal and that any type of martial law or military order uh, that gets put upon us uh, can just happen. And that really seems to have changed with the pandemic. But <sighs> all I can say is 2020 is just the I, I don't do you think this will go down as like the I, I don't What would you even call 2020? It's like the wildest year that ever was or like the most. I think do you think it'll be the most life altering change in our lifetime, I guess, or our generation? Um, Yeah, I do definitely think that this is a like in the chap. Like, I'm not sure if it's so being a like a student of history, there are certain events that really are bookends to chapters of like world U.S. history. So, I mean, some of them are um, the bookend of like the 1860 era. There's Civil War and Reconstruction. That's kind of like the bookend moment right there. There's World War II with Pearl Harbor. Uh, some people say it's 9-11 that really changed everything. I really think that this year, uh, really, there is a, a way we act before this and a way we act after. I really think 2020 might be uh, like a just the beginning and end to chapters in history. I mean, if everything goes as it should, I think all of those changes will be absolutely for the positive, though, right? I'm worried that, uh, I mean, obviously you hope for the best, but I mean, a lot of times in history, things do slide the other direction. There are... You know, there are characters in history that really take advantage of moments like these to, you know, bend bend the way that we live and, you know, what they can achieve, what they can accomplish to their will. Uh, things that the super rich, things that the politicians couldn't have done a decade ago, they will be able to do now. And there's going to be no one to stop them because uh, if you try to stop them, you're going to be, you know, like, look at the news media with anyone who tried to live their life, you know, in a way that they wanted in the past few months. You were branded as a terrible person for wanting to go out for a walk or a jog by yourself. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Do you think that was kind of like self-policing of people, though? Yeah, I mean, it was supposed it came off at the beginning. It was supposed to be policing yourself and then they. They tried to make society like they tried to make people police others and they tried to have everyone rat on each other. Uh, I think it was the mayor of New York City was trying to get people to call in on anyone who wasn't complying with the stay at home orders. Mm, yeah, I, but I've heard he's kind of a piece of shit. I, oh, can't, yeah. I can't remember what his name is. De Blasio. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. Ben Kissel always talks about what a piece of shit he is. Yeah, that's uh, last pot on the left. <laughs> they're, they're pretty great. You know what is weird? Speaking back to the the curfew thing and the 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 National Guard coming in and all of that. I was just reading it today. The governor of Minnesota is sending the National Guard to the North Dakota border. No idea why. I I don't with, know. With Canada. No, like Minnesota's border with North Dakota. He's sending them all there. I don't know why. He needs to turn them around and send them to the Wisconsin border. <laughs> I would have them posted there all year. I mean, that makes more sense. But uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's like hardly anybody who lives in North Dakota. I don't know why he's doing that. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head like a good reason, but I really can't think of one. But I mean, keeping those Packers out, that's that's got to be objective number one. <laughs> I mean, that'll be a uh, lost cause because unfortunately, 
for the citizens of Minnesota, a lot of people have, in fact, became Packers fans simply for the fact that they've had two franchise quarterbacks this entire time. So they happen to have been good. Yeah, been gifted. Twenty years. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? But anyway, um, Phil, why don't we talk about? Let's get into this week's conspiracy because it actually kind of. We're going to talk about a country that kind of does exactly what you are afraid that the U.S. is going to do, and that is Russia, okay? Everybody's favorite country, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what this conspiracy is, is Russians lost cosmonauts. Have you ever heard of this at all? I have heard that uh, there were some some accidents and not wanting the accidents to get out on the world stage, there was uh, some some cleanup done. Yeah. Uh, well, I I don't know. I got by the end of this conspiracy, I'll be very interested to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards they might not have actually covered it up, but we'll get through all the details here and then let everybody make their own decision. Now, in the post World War II world. The United States and Russia were engaged in the Cold War. Now, the Cold War basically includes the arm race between both countries, the threat of nuclear war, all sorts of weird espionage transpiring between the U.S. and Russia. Uh, The U.S. was very, very afraid of communism, as we know, which essentially is the cause of the Korean War. And one of the main things that was included in the Cold War was, of course, the space race, right? Yes. So uh, I think technically Vietnam was kind of... I Would you include Vietnam in the Cold War? Yes, most definitely. Yeah, so it it's always weird when... I feel like when we people talk about Vietnam, they don't really talk about the fact that it was essentially a war because a proxy war between US and Russia which is what the Korean war is and from the sounds of it that's basically what Syria had turned into right yeah so um a little bit of history on the Korean war we would, uh United States had actually beaten the North Korean army all the way back to the border with China and that was before there was hundreds of thousands of regular Chinese regular troops uh, who flooded across the border and pushed the United States and NATO forces all the way back, uh, basically slingshotted us way back into South Korean territory. Mm, okay. There was, yeah. So there was also a lot of other, um, these proxy wars, they happened all over. You mentioned Vietnam. Uh, there was also proxy wars that happened in Latin America, uh, Africa, Afghanistan was a big one. That that I I feel like once I learned that all of that was like I, I don't know it just was insane that the two superpowers are fighting within other countries you know what I mean Oh definitely yeah there's actually a proxy war going on right now uh, between the United States and Iran uh, Oh really it's, Yeah well it's okay so United States is using Saudi Arabia and Iran is using Oman. Uh, the fighting's all happening in, I think it's Yemen or Oman. I'm not exactly sure, but there, I think it might be Yemen. But there's a big war going on right now in those countries, and of course, Iran's backed by Russia. Mm, yeah, <sighs> I don't. Know. It just seems so more. I don't know. To me, it seems so much more despicable to use other countries to fight your, like, kind of fight your wars or what. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, in a way. It's horrible, but if there was direct, say during the Soviet Union, there was direct contact between the United States and Soviet forces, like not just, oh, we happened to shoot down one of the bombers from Russians, or we just happened to kill a spec ops Russian dude. If there was actual uh, like pitched warfare between the United States and Soviet Union, it would have resulted in nuclear warfare. Yeah. There's no way it wouldn't have. Yeah, then the whole world would turn into Fallout 4, right? Yeah, basically, we would all be <laughs> running around right now looking like fucking zombies, collecting bottle caps. Oh, I'd be a ghoul for sure. I guarantee <laughs> that. But anyway, now, 
the reason for the space race is because both countries believe this was the next advancement in military warfare, essentially. They thought uh, nukes would be delivered from space, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think they believe that they would shoot giant death lasers down? Yeah, so there was uh, there was definitely worry <laughs> that there would be Soviet satellites that were packed full of nukes, and they could just shoot them down at the United. They wouldn't even have to shoot them like rockets. They could just drop these bombs into the atmosphere and explode them over a city. There was also worry about, like you mentioned, like death rays, like focusing the sun's energy to go down on a certain city and boiling the city there was also um i don't know if you've seen the movie gi joe the great documentary where they oh, used god. Uh, they used rod, a rod from god basically all you do is you drop like a telephone pole size uh cylinder of i think it's tungsten onto a city and it comes down so quick that it might as well be a nuclear bomb going off it just causes a like a crust shattering earthquake that blows up these cities the uh the only thing i remember from the documentary gi joe was the uh the ninja guy oh the 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 ninja dude wearing white versus the ninja dude wearing black yeah so, yeah yeah all Those right were some great fight scenes but yeah i'll continue <laughs> not going to that anyway so what i want to do real quick is kind of go through the sequence of events that transpired in the space race so then I can go back and point out where the alleged missing flights are located, essentially. So that's what I'm going to do right now here. So we start off uh, on October 4th, 1957, a Soviet R-7 intercontinental ballistic missile launched named Sputnik, which is apparently the Russian word for traveler. Uh, was the world's first artificial satellite and the first man-made object to be placed in Earth's orbit. So I imagine the general public at this time, when they saw this shit happen, they were probably shitting their pants, right? Oh, fucking most, definitely. Um, So uh, my mom was actually, she's told us stories. She was very young at the time, but... Like, they were very worried. There was thoughts that this could be, like, a listening device. They thought there could be nukes put on it. I don't think people realized that this thing was very small. Like, the size of, I think, a beach ball. It wasn't oh, wasn't it was very big tiny. at all. It was that yeah, tiny. It, it was very tiny. It was basically just a little, just something to get up there so they, like, could figure out if they could do it. If they could actually put it into orbit. Well, like you said, when when the U.S. saw this... You know, essentially, they're like, we have to respond because, like you said, the sentiment was essentially they could be launching nukes up there. And this is giving them much more advanced technology than we have. The U.S. has to respond. So essentially, this is kind of where the start of the space race began. Okay, now, Mm -hmm. one year later, in 1958, the U.S. launched its own satellite, Explorer 1, designed by the U.S. Army under the discretion of rocket scientists. Do you know the guy's name? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know, but why don't you? (laughs) Nice little Operation Paperclip reference here. Oh, yeah. Werner Von Braun. Or I don't know if it's technically Werner Von Braun. I I can't speak German that well. But, yes, obviously, very, very famous Nazi scientist and... If you want to uh, learn a lot more about him, I check out our podcasting uh, friends at Creep It Real. They did an excellent job covering Operation Paperclip, which is essentially taking the Nazi scientists, and that is exactly what this man is. Yeah, definitely. I learned a lot from that episode. It was a really good one. Very good. Definitely check that out. Anyway, that same year, President Dyke, Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a public order creating the National Aeronautics and Space Exploration, a.k.a. NASA, never a straight answer, a federal agency dedicated to space exploration. Now, this next part, I didn't know, which I I think for me is really interesting. Now, initially, NASA 
was for national security, which was ran by the Air Force, the CIA, and a new organization uh, called the National Reconnaissance Office, uh, which apparently had remained completely confidential all the way up until the early 1990s. And at the time, they na- the, the code name was Corona. So basically, it would be using orbiting satellites to gather intelligence on the Soviet Union and all of their allies. So NASA had an interesting past. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's really uh, it's really interesting. I mean, not only if you're like not just a, like somebody who's really a fan of like the space race and outer space. I mean, a lot of the nuts and bolts that went into that whole time frame are really interesting. Uh like a lot of the, like you were mentioning Operation Paperclip, uh, a lot of the reason why we were behind on ballistic missile testing was because the United States put so much focus on dropping bombs out of airplanes. Uh, I mean, really, that was our bread and butter because it had worked so well. And we had just put so much money into B-52s, mm. which we mentioned last two weeks ago. I know. Is it is it weird that... Your episode last week was essentially about nuclear bombs, and this is essentially a creation of the fear of nuclear bombs. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know, it's interesting. <laughs> they all they all slide together. <laughs> now, anyway, on September twelfth, nineteen fifty nine, Russia launched the Luna two, which was the very first probe to ever hit the moon. So apparently, they just shot it up there fucking smashed in there and like okay we can get to the moon now okay it's not made of cheese we figured that one out <laughs> okay there's no vodka up there i guess we're i don't know do we need to go up there comrade <laughs> there's no vodka and it's too cold let's <laughs> fuck it when it's, it's too when it's too cold for russians you yeah. know it's cold right yeah now the next event um, this man I'm about to talk about has became my new hero. I haven't read that much into his life, so hopefully he's not actually secretly a piece of shit, but, uh, I love you. On April 12th, 1961, two years later, uh, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first ever human to launch into space via the capsule-like spacecraft named Vostok 1, which would then orbit Earth. So it didn't really say specifically, but I believe not. He's the first person into space and he's the first person to ever orbit Earth. That's my understanding, right? Yes. Okay. And because he's he's the first living thing to ever come back. I think. And to oh. come back. Right. Well, Alive. That, that's the belief. We're yeah. the first human to come back. I'm not, I think that was also uh, a conspiracy that any animal that was sent up was left up there. Oh, 100% they were left up there. They would use dogs that look similar. So they would basically show the dog being shot up into outer space. And then they would claim that they went and retrieved the dog. But really it was the dog's brother that was shown to everyone or a monkey. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm uh, I'm about to talk to what America did to monkeys in a second here. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, on March of uh, 1961, the Americans were working on Project Mercury, which would prove to be much lighter and faster than Vostok 1. But the reason they hadn't shot humans up there is because they were shooting chimpanzees up there but because they didn't just launch a human up there is why they fell uh, behind the Russians once again so basically in uh, was it two or three events uh, the Americans have really fell, uh, fell behind oh yeah um, we were getting our butts kicked pretty bad by the Russians uh, in the beginning because we didn't even realize that there was a space race um, and also any advances that we were making, the Russians were stealing. So <laughs> they were making their own advancements. Any advancements we made, they would steal. Uh, it was, yeah, it's kind of a fuck up. So wait, are you uh, saying the Russians had better spies than, than the Americans did? Um, I'm not sure if they were 
better, but they were very <laughs> successful. The nuclear bomb was actually stolen. Uh, hey, can you just give the Russians a little credit, Phil, for being launched into space here? Give them a little credit for just stealing li- better Nazis. Hey, look. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Stealing better Nazi scientists, maybe we'll give them that. Anyway, <clears throat> finally, on May 5th of 1961... U.S. astronaut Alan Shepard became the first American in space, um, although for some reason he just went up there and came back down. He didn't actually orbit Earth. So, again, somehow the Russians, somehow our boy Yuri had managed to not only get up there but also orbit Earth, which is very interesting. Um, I'm kind of wondering, like, how do you get up there? Like, how... How high do you have to get up there before you're considered in space or not in space? Um, well, how do I explain this? So there's a like there's a certain barrier of atmosphere um, that you really have to cross to get into like orbit. Um, see how it works is the rocket takes you up and then you're on like a curve and you have to get far enough to make that curve go around the Earth without coming back down into earth. Um, Mm. There's, there's this video game I used to play where you'd basically um, like, you have to make your flight eclipse go around the earth. You're not really orbiting. You're actually falling. And that's why it looks like you're floating when you're like orbiting the earth is because uh, you're not floating in the air. You're actually falling, but because you're orbiting around the earth, you're falling basically just around. You and the spaceship are falling around the Earth. Oh, okay. I mean, that makes sense, though. Yeah, I am not... Like, when it comes to science, I know very little, and I realize how much little I know. But <laughs> I do I do know that um, you have to take yourself up there beyond the atmosphere, correct the course so that you go more out in a straight line than just straight up to get yourself to orbit around the earth. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think I see what you're saying. So, yeah. so Alan Shepard, it's kind I don't know. It's kind of weird that America shot him up there, but didn't try to orbit earth. Don't you think they really just kind of like took him up there, but didn't like try to, they just wanted a person in space without actually like orbiting or anything. Yeah, well, I mean, in in one really good way, you really want to do those kind of things in stages, like take baby steps. You don't want to just go for it all and end up losing the first American in outer space because you screwed up some little math equation and it turns out you shot him out of the Earth's atmosphere instead of, you know, like getting the math right, doing everything correctly. So taking baby steps is the smart move. Um, also, you really just want to get a man into outer space because you're so far behind the Russians at this point. Right. Um, so apparently uh, after this event, Long Dick, uh, U.S. President John F. Kennedy, he got on TV, I'm assuming a radio, <laughs> and he claimed, God damn it, Americans will be the first people to set foot on moon's surface. So finally on February 20th of 1962, about a year later, John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth aboard Mercury Atlas 6. Finally, on December 21st, 1968, NASA launched Apollo 8, which would be the first manned, uh, manned space mission to orbit the moon. Not quite touching it yet. But, uh, I mean, goddamn, it took six years to get just that close to the moon. Uh, On July 16th, 1969, NASA launched Apollo 11, which contained Neil Armstrong, Edwin Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. And on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong became the very first person to walk on the surface of the moon. Now... Here's what I'm what I find really interesting. Why does nobody talk about Michael Collins? So he wasn't actually in the lander. I thought he, he was, was. I I believe Michael Collins was still up in the uh the orbiter. 
Oh. But I'm not exactly sure about that. Okay, well... It was Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin who went down to the surface of the moon. Gotcha. Okay, I, okay, I guess that makes sense. Well, uh, anybody who wants to correct us, send your hate mail to Phil on Instagram, please. <laughs> There's a very high probability that I'm wrong about <laughs> what I just said. But I think it's right, so if right now in my mind, you know. You know, you know something that I found very interesting that I had no idea was while the Americans were um, getting ready to step on the moon, uh, Russia had Luna 15 that was orbiting uh, the moon as well. Did you, were you aware of this? No, I wasn't. Was it a manned spacecraft? Uh, I, I guess I didn't really look at that if it was manned or not, but basically from... F- from my understanding, okay, so America went into orbit around the moon, then they had a separate launcher that, that they launched onto the moon surface surface itself. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. So they had the, the ship that took the three Americans to the moon. Then they had a lander that separated, took two astronauts down, and then brought them back to the, the ship. And then the whole thing went back to the Earth. Okay. And yeah, then they got out into the like the capsule that went back into reentry. Okay. Okay, that makes sense then. So, uh apparently then Apollo 11 was orbiting the moon and Luna 15 was already there when they arrived there and was orbiting the moon. And interestingly, apparently because of this this was the first time during this whole sequence of events during the space race that Russia and the U.S. communicated with each other in like a friendly manner to kind of coordinate each other's orbits around the moon, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you watch. There's a there's a brand new show on Netflix called Space Force. OK, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. But- there's uh, one of the characters in a show is played by John Malkovich, and he keeps talking about how uh, scientists have this like camaraderie, like they're commu- uh, like a community of scientists. So I imagine it probably wasn't the military who coordinated the orbits of the two ships. It was probably the scientists. Well, if yeah, I had to guess. no, absolutely. That's what they make it sound like. Like it's yeah. literally NASA's launch command or whatever and russia's like they were communicating with each other obviously so there wasn't any accidents in space yeah and it's i mean there's there's uh it's just a good idea to know like it'd be bad if there was no communications and you were worried oh shit are they gonna drop something on us on our our landing site well, I, I mean, as we find, as we know now, Russia has never touched foot on the moon. So, kind of what they were leaning on is that Russia found out that the Americans were preparing to set foot foot on the moon. So they launched their own uh, satellite or whatever up there to kind of watch them. Essentially, yeah, I, is what I it can was. understand that. So um, there's also people who like the Russians actually say. We never sent anyone to the moon because it'd be impossible. They would soak up too much radiation and they'd die. So now you're probably talking about a completely different conspiracy that we will definitely cover at one point, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if I was. I Honestly, Cody and I, we we record these episodes without the other person knowing what we're going to record. So I don't know if I'm feeding into what he's saying or going off on some more direction. But. Uh, you're going <laughs> you're going somewhere else. <laughs> okay. But well, we'll I, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Maybe a little teaser for an episode that might happen like 20 episodes from now probably. But uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, after now we are literally almost almost 40 minutes in we're finally gonna get to the conspiracy here <laughs> right. I, ju- I just thought personally like all of the space race stuff is very interesting and it kind of lays out the timeline for where we can interject with these missing cosmonauts um but basically where it all starts is so we have Yuri Gagarin being the first person in space and to orbit Earth. Now, the belief is is that there was several flights that transpired before he went up there 
that Russia has completely wiped from the surface. Like, they have hidden those, um, and we're going to find out why they would have maybe hidden them. Now, one of the leading reasons uh, that sparked the conspiracy of Russia covering up the different aspects of their space program is because of the picture that has been purposely doctored to remove a specific man from the picture that I had spent sent to Phil that was involved with the space program. Now, Phil, it's the first one where it's not the one with Yuri in it. It's the one of uh, the other one where the man apparently just completely disappears. Yes. Yep. The doctored photo. Now, allegedly, allegedly, supposedly, allegedly, um, they didn't have Photoshop in the sixties, right? So apparently to get rid of that photo, they had to like airbrush all the background on it just to get rid of that guy. Yeah. So looking at the photo, I have it kind of blown up in my screen. You can definitely see where the man's silhouette is. Where it's been doctored and everything. Yes. Yep. You can still see like roughly see his silhouette in the picture, how it's, how it's been brushed up. Now the, the second picture that I, I sent you is essentially they're pointing out that Russia has they have the picture of Yuri and they remove the general or whatever the hell that guy is, essentially to make it appear like the army is not involved with their space program. So the army wouldn't be covering up the deaths of the cosmonauts. Yeah, I'm looking at that picture right now, and that's actually a little bit it's it's done a little bit better. Hey, maybe uh, the airbrushers got a little better. You don't know. Their technology got better. <laughs> Stalin probably I think if from what I remember, Stalin probably gave him a lot of practice. When <laughs> was he used that, to wait, take wait, wait. Stalin was uh Stalin. Stalin was dead at this point, right? No, but they would have been the same ones who were there when Stalin was Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying, yeah. Now, um back to the conspiracy here. There was two two people who kind of brought the belief of these missing astronauts, which come from a very unlikely source, a very weird source. And it is actually two Italian brothers. I don't even know if I can pronounce their names, so forgive me. But it is, I think it's Achille and Giovanni Giudisa uh, Cord- Cordigla. I believe that's how I've been. I'm, I apologize to Italians. That Superstar is, Italian people. If it was like Mario and Luigi or whatever, perfect. But these names are very complicated. But basically, in the 1950s, these two brothers, they started salvaging um, broken radio equipment or whatever to kind of create their own little thingy. And they set it up in an old bunker. Okay. Now, I'm assuming Italy in the 50s probably had a lot of uh, ex-war equipment or salvage radio equipment or things like that, okay? So that makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of broken, you know, equipment just laying around. Uh, That country really took a beating towards the end of the war. Oh, absolutely. So, So essentially, I guess they took all this shit, got it working again, and we're listening to whatever. Um, When we moved to about 10 years later in the 1960s, the brothers claimed that they began picking up various Russian transmissions uh, involving their space launches. Now, according to the brothers, in May May of 1960, they picked up a transmission of a manned spacecraft that had been launched into space but had somehow gotten off of course and then was just, they couldn't save them, right? So essentially the cosmonaut just had to fucking drift drift off into space and just, I guess, die of dehydration or whatever. Um, Essentially, they picked up this transmission of this poor astronaut uh, fucking having to just sit up there and die. That would be, I don't know, that's... Sounds like a horrendous death. Just the most lonely, terrible feeling that oh, I couldn't even imagine it. It would be like if you were left in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean and the Navy was just like, well, we're not going to get you. So 
Sorry. <laughs> you signed uh, up for this kid. Do you remember that kind of crazy guy who used to come into the restaurant we used to work in? Oh yeah, the 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 pipe smoker. The, yeah, that not, that's what the, happened to him. A literal tobacco pipe. That's that's what happened to him. Yeah, he, he got I trapped know. in a sub, but they managed to rescue him. But the oxygen had been cut off, so now he has like a brain damage. I think. It, I don't know, poor guy. I wonder if he's still alive. I don't know. That was so many years ago. Yeah, that was a solid two decades ago. Oof. But anyway, now the brothers in November of 1960. They claim to have picked up an SOS call from another Russian spacecraft that seemed to be launched up there and again just drift off into space and just fucking have to just die up there, I guess. Uh, and it continues, in February of 1961, the brothers claim to have picked up an audio transmission of a Russian cosmonaut suffocating to death after a failed launch. So it's almost like what they made it sound like is he was up there, but something happened while he was up there. And then obviously the vacuum of space essentially just choked him to death or whatever. So that sounds uh, horrible. They're just losing their best and brightest and then just writing them off completely. But yeah, it's It's horrible. It, It I mean, it's it's not. It's not funny losing, you know, like astronauts in outer space, but I don't know if you ever remember that game Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. That I play. So whenever you would have like a launch that would go wrong or you forgot to put a strut somewhere and it would just blow up, it kind of felt feels like that where you would just like, oh, well, I guess I'll fix that and restart, you know. <laughs> It kind of seems like maybe the Russians felt the same way. Felt that way. Yeah, like it was just a video game and they were just like, oh, well, that was a lot of money to go to waste on a human being. So let's let's fix it. Try again next week. Well, the brothers aren't done here, Phil. Uh, In April of uh, 1961, they claimed to have picked up a transmission of a successful launch that had managed to orbit Earth three times but because they had no way of getting him back down to Earth, they just left him orbiting up there and just left this person to die. Here's the thing I'm wondering. uh, Well, let me finish this here. Now, this last uh, claim from the brothers came apparently three days um, before the launch of Yuri Gagarin. I don't know if they'd be launching that fast. What do you think? Um, like they, they have this guy up there orbiting earth. And then three days later, they launch Yuri Gagarin. If you were Yuri Gagarin and you had just seen one of your fellow cosmonauts shoot up into, you know, beyond our atmosphere. And then you were just told, well, he's just not coming back. And it's your turn, by the way, that would be, oof, that'd be a sickening feeling. No, that this is why this, this man is my new hero, Phil, because he didn't care. He had n- he looked fear in the eye, and he said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do it." And that's what Yuri Gagarin did. Okay, he didn't let fear hold him back. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of uh, vodka soaked bravery. <laughs> hey, <laughs> whatever gets you up there, man. Whatever gets you up there. Okay, you know American astronauts have like the little Capri Sun looking pouches to eat and whatever. Yuri. He just had his fucking six-pack of vodka bottles. That's all he needed. He didn't need anything else. Three potatoes and a pet and a fucking bottle of vodka. <laughs> he was probably brewing his own up there. Yeah. All right, kid. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, luckily, he didn't have to drive. He just had to push a button. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, um, the brothers aren't done, though. After Yuri's successful launch into space and everything... According to them, they picked up five more separate transmissions of cosmonauts either being lost in deep space or burning up upon re-entry to Earth's atmosphere. Now, the interesting, this is really interesting, and I'm going to play the audio here for everybody, is they claim that they had recorded audio of the first female cosmonaut. Now, the audio we're going to hear is they believe her distress signal, but a lot of people think it's doctored. Now, I'm going to read this one other line. Apparently, when they were uh, translate, translating the Russian transmissions, this is apparently what they said. 
Remember us to the motherland. We are lost. We are lost. Do you think Russian cosmonauts would be yelling that? As they were dying? Yeah. I mean, it is possible. They knew they were being recorded. They might have thought they were doing it for posterity. Um, Yeah and no. I mean, it's hard to tell because, I mean, you never met these human beings before. You don't know how they acted. And even if you know someone, someone could seem like the like brave, most courageous person you've ever met. But if you put them in a situation, uh, they might flake out and get scared. So you have no idea how a human being would act, especially one you've never met before. That's yeah, that's a very valid point, actually. Well, um, let's let's hear this audio of the alleged uh, first female cosmonaut ever. And we'll uh, I want to get your take afterward, Phil. All right. Okay, Phil, do you, does that sound like Russian to you? What does that, what does that sound like to you? It's kind of hard. I mean, it sounds like it's someone yelling into a tube, like in a grain silo almost. <laughs> Can't really, it definitely does sound like a woman's voice. Um, it's really, I mean. Well, yeah, I think, it? I think it's very clearly a woman's voice. Yeah. But, um. It, okay, it's let's let's just say this is 1960s radio uh, technology from space, so I don't know how good or bad it sounds. And it's two Italian brothers recording it on God knows what. Yeah. So well, we're gonna talk about them in uh, in just a second um, because they might have a reason to. <laughs> you know, maybe lie about this. So, uh, anyway, now a few incidences, what, what leads us to believe that the Russians might have hid what they did earlier is, uh, in 1960, a Soviet rocket ignited on the launching pad, killing at least 78 of the, uh, 78 of the, uh, ground crew members. Oh, shit. Apparently they didn't, talk about that uh, a whole lot initially. In 1961, just before Gagarin's space flight, a Soviet cosmonaut was killed when a devastating fire erupted inside an oxygen-rich training capsule. So, again, I'm just going to say this. Yuri, watch this happen. This guy blow up inside of a training capsule, and he still fucking went up there. Yeah, I wonder who... If everything would have went right with all of these other Russian cosmonauts, I wonder if Yuri Gagarin would have actually been the first Russian to orbit the Earth. I wonder if he was maybe not exactly their first choice. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think the belief is he might not have been the first human to orbit Earth or whatever. He's just the first one to get up there and come back down. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. So, I don't... It, the interesting thing about Yuri is he 
uh, not that long after this, he ended up actually dying from like a uh, in an airplane, a fighter plane or something like that. Was he like Americans used to hire their astronauts out of uh, like the test pilots? Is that a situation that he had come uh, from? I, I, I should have looked it up. I'm, I it kind of made it sound like that because he died in like a plane crash or something. He didn't die mm. with anything involving space at all. He was flying an airplane. I don't know if it crashed or whatever, but that's how he died. Yeah, that's, I mean, very suspicious when you have this this man who is like the hero of the country. And if it if possibly he didn't come back, you kill him right away or cover up, you know, claim that, no, he died this other way. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I actually have this in my notes, Phil. Uh, in 1968, he died in a uh, fighter jet. So, okay. so okay, 1968. That's when America first landed on the moon. So yeah, he died that year. So just 69. Oh, I'm sorry. He died in 68. I apologize. So okay, a year yeah. before so he died that. the year before. Yeah. So in a fire jet, though. So he was clearly involved. I would. Assume assume in a military of some kind could have been uh helping them make those the new migs that america ended up fighting in the uh, vietnam war mm. i mean that could be I, I don't know maybe they they could have offed him too i suppose yeah but uh anyway we have one more incident here uh in 1967 uh another cosmonaut was killed when the parachute on his space capsule failed to open so now, these are just the events that the Soviets didn't talk about initially, but we learned much later on. So, very interesting. Uh, in 1960, again, with these fucking science fiction authors, I swear we've talked about science fiction authors and conspiracies before, haven't we? Oh, yeah, totally. We have, definitely. So, uh, Robert Heinlein uh, was visiting Russia in 1960, remember, and claimed that he spoke to red, two Red Army candidates who informed him that they had just recently sent, sent a manned spacecraft into orbit, which was one year prior to Yuri Gagarin's launch. Now, the interesting thing is the launch capsule was the Corbel Spudnik 1, okay? Now, it experienced a mechanical failure when the guidance system steered into the wrong uh, steered it into a wrong direction. Uh, this made the retrieval of the capsule impossible and the Corbel Spudnik 1 was stranded to orbit around Earth, okay? Now, they claim it's a manned aircraft, but I'm going to tell you a story about this particular line of I guess uh, crafts, I guess. I, what would you call that? Like, okay, what would you call? We had all the Apollo missions. They had all the Corbel Spudnik missions. Is that just like a series of spacecrafts? Yeah, there's uh, like there's there's certain uh, like programs like the Mercury, yeah, Saturn. Uh, it kind of mm -hmm. goes along with what rocket they were using, uh, what capsules they were using. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Okay. Uh, so that kind of sounds like um, trying to think. Well, did I, you say did you say that he Yuri Gagarin was actually the one who was in the the, the capsule? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. What we're saying is this uh, science fiction author was visiting Russia in 1960, which was one year prior to Yuri's successful launch that we all know. And he spoke to two members of the uh, army that claimed that they had just witnessed a manned spacecraft being shot into orbit, which is leading to the fact that they witnessed a manned craft being shot into orbit that couldn't come back down that Russia then covered up. But this guy knew about it right when it was happening. So these guys thought, hey, we just successfully launched someone into space. But later, they're like, oh, shit, we just killed that person who is up there, and they covered it up. Yeah, so their vodka-soaked lips just kind of <laughs> let that slip. Probably because they thought that it was going to be world news in about an hour and a half. Yeah. But really, it just all turned to shit, and they probably got silenced after that. 
Well, or they probably never mentioned that they talked about it. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this story here real quick, which I think might explain why these two soldiers thought this was a manned aircraft, okay? Now, on March 25th, 1961, in the countryside not far from Perm, an injector an unejector seat from a space capsule capsule had descended to Earth. Uh, residents claimed that it sounded like an anti-aircraft rocket upon its re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. Here's my question. Why did they know what that sounds like? A lot of uh, testing. Was it the residents claimed it sounded like an anti-aircraft rocket uh, coming into Earth's atmosphere? How would they know what that sounds like unless there's extensive amount of uh, military testing? Yeah, there could have. I mean... That is weird. It's very, it's like highly like specific. I, I, that's what I thought yeah. too. Anyway, that's in, a good point. <clears throat> anyway, so obviously the uh, curious residents went over to examine what just fucking crashed into their countryside and they saw a lifeless body there. And then they read the tag of who this could be, right? And his name was uh, Ivan Ivanich. I think that's what his name his name was Ivan Ivanich, Ivonich or something like that. Um, do you know what this name means? Ivan Ivanovich. Yes. Uh, I have no idea. Who have never heard this man? Okay, apparently this is what Russians refer to people like we would as John Doe. Oh, okay. The nameless person, the unidentified person, whatever. Uh, but what they quickly found out that this was a dummy. Okay. Uh, and this was, uh, the flight was named uh, Corbel Spudnik 5, okay? So, essentially what they're saying here is that Russia had launched five flights into uh, Earth's atmosphere and attempted to make them come back down correctly, and they were all just dummies. So, they were using dummies instead of animals, which is why these two red cadets might have actually believed that that was actually a human inside of there. Like they just weren't in the know. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Because because yeah. the dummy they they had pictures of this thing. Like uh, I don't know if they're in a museum now or whatever, but for some reason they made this thing look exactly like a human. Kind of sounds like uh, what was that? The um, where we talking about the Roswell crash? Yeah. How they claimed that the 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 little green men were actually. Like, just these tiny child-sized dummies. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Totally but forgot about that. But this, they're telling people, oh, no, that wasn't an actual human being. This is just a dummy. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, like, let's say, let's take ourselves back to the 60s or whatever. You see something crash into Earth, and it looks like a dead body inside of there, but it's actually a dummy that literally looks like a human being. You'd assume it's probably a dead body, right? Oh, yeah. You would, oh. I, I have no idea what I would think it is back in the late 50s, early 60s. I would, I, I'd, I'd be, probably be shitting your pants, I'd assume. I'd be shit my... Yeah, <laughs> thinking of the fucking witch coming in. A lot of vodka shits transpired on that day, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But a, lot you, of, uh, a lot of potato skins coming out. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of one belief where these people are getting that... They believe it's manned spacecrafts being sh sent up there, but it's just dummies. Now, the other thing about the Italian brothers, um, where a lot of people think they were just full of shit, and another reason people lead on this is that the U.S. took them serious and actually shipped them to NASA headquarters to fill them in on what they had found out. Apparently, that really happened, so... I, I don't I don't know. What do you think about the Italian brothers? Yeah, that sounds kind of I mean, it's a little odd that they would invite them not to debrief them. You would think that they would invite them with the sole purpose of debriefing them, finding out if they're full of shit or not, finding out what they know, what they could cooperate is actually true. It would be weird to have the Americans fly these Italians in and then tell the Italians what we know, almost like we were filling them in. Like, you well, know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how put together 
uh, Italy's government was, uh, you know, in the early 1960s. I don't really know after the war and everything, but uh, to me, it sounded like the U.S. took them strictly to try to get an upper edge on what the Russians were doing. But to me, it's like, how could two Italian brothers somehow get into all these Russian frequencies and the Americans who have much uh, far advanced technology not be able to do the exact same thing? Perhaps they were just trying to find a better recipe for thin crust pizza. (laughs) That could be. They wanted the best marinara pizza that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, the best, uh, what is that, the margarita? Yeah, the margarita. Possible. It's all possible. Gordon Ramsay, of course. <laughs> you know damn well he was uh, a cosmonaut. But anyway, so basically kind of what I'm feeling here is, I don't know if you sh- uh, share the same sentiment, is that, okay, we had the Cold War, we had the space way, uh, space race, we had an extreme distrust for Russia, and when the residents found the dummy through a long game of telephone, somehow that had created the belief that Russia was sending actual humans up there instead of dummies, and because of these two Italian gentlemen who were claiming they had all these secret audio collections from uh, missing cosmonauts, I think it created the belief that there is missing Russian missions. What do you, what, what is your feeling after all of this? Um, uh, it's kind of like a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy. Uh, cause really the conspiracy that all of these Russian cosmonauts had died came from these two Italian brothers. But then you find out possibly these lost missions were actually dummies that they never told anyone about because they were complete failures. Yes. I mean, so, the, if you think about it, though, the timeline does, a, does line up really well with the Corbel uh, Sputnik 5, okay? Sputnik 5 crashed down to Earth, which would essentially signify that they had, re- had created a successful flight into space that orbited, then came down, and then probably, I think it was like a month or two later, then Yuri went up there. You yeah. know what I mean? So, Well, the one I just... I was kind of thinking about this and it kind of just popped into my head right now. You're uh, so that recording that we listened to with the one female cosmonaut, when you're on the radio with like the headquarters or, you know, mission control, there really should be another voice coming in to talk. Oh. To it shouldn't just be one voice. Also, I don't think they would send a female up into space at that time. Russia was a little bit different. Uh, during World War II with how they treated females on the battlefield. But I really don't think they included them in their space program. So I'm thinking that might have been like a female, like scientist, engineer, possibly just the person they had on the radio uh, talking to like either maybe how do I put this? Possibly she was just on the radio talking to another space agency or mission control about the status of what was actually going on with the capsule. It wasn't an astronaut or a cosmonaut. It was just someone who was on the radio speaking to uh, another room full of scientists and engineers and army and generals, whatnot. Yeah, I, yeah, that could be, or if, well, I would assuming if, okay, let's just, take their side for a minute if she's in space and they're down there could they be act tuning into just her frequency but i think they'd have to be talking on the same frequency right yeah i mean it would have to be um there's also a little bit of lag there would you would assume yeah between the time you would just have it on one frequency it like back and forth like that and she didn't really have like a space for an answer she was just kind of talking, and then she was just kind of talking well, again. Like she was giving updates well, rather than a two-way conversation. Well, unless it was at the point where they knew that she was basically going to die up there, and they were just ignoring her discre- uh, distress calls. They were they were just ghosting her. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, basically, I, I don't. We know we know Russia, especially during this time, was. <laughs> Uh, quite shady so it's kind of a thing where it's like 
they definitely, if they did it, nobody would be surprised. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's. So, I found this so fascinating because the Cold War has so many secrets that we don't know, and then the space race has so many conspiracies kind of like surrounding it, and it's just, I don't know. I, fi- I find. Uh, space exploration really fascinating, especially around this time. So it was uh, it was an uh, interesting conspiracy. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting in fifty years when they like the history of the the space race cold slash cold war that we're having with China right now. When mm. they yeah, like when they when they write the history books on that, and when they find out like all of the different like spies back and forth, double agents, people trying to it's it's all cyber now though too it's a lot of stealing shit out of uh like the cloud and stealing it out of secret fucking uh server farms and shit like that Mm, or trying to get the upper hand on like infrastructure trying to destroy each other's internet that kind of shit that's a that's a very good point well uh we've been running uh kind of long here fell so why don't you give people the uh, the sources to contact us if they would like. Well, if uh, you want to get a hold of us, you can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Go ahead and give us a follow and uh, send us a message. We love hearing from people. Cody and I both have our own podcasts. Mine is at SDPodPhil. All of my science shit off the cuff that I got wrong, you can go ahead and send your hate mail right to there. Cody, you have a few? Yeah, uh, follow my personal Instagram at uh, Cody Zabub. I uh, love talking to our fans or talking about conspiracies or whatever's going on in the world. Just uh, hit me up on there. Uh, last thing we need you to do, if you are a iTunes listener, please leave the show a five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Type a little... Russian transmission in there. Otherwise, if you're a Spotify user, just uh, hit the follow button and you'll always be updated when we drop a new episode. All right, uh, guys, I hope you all enjoyed the episode and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, guys.